before we get into today's episode of Forward Thinking Founders, I want to tell you a little bit about Crash, our sponsor. So what happens when you want to get a job? You know, you either just quit a job, you just got laid off, you're graduating college, what do you do? Well, usually you fill out a resume, you spruce up your LinkedIn profile, and you start submitting resumes to companies by the dozen, just hoping to get a response, hoping a recruiter reaches out to you. Well, let me tell you, that process of finding a job is history. And what's the new process? It's called Crash. Crash is a new way to land a job. What you do is you go to crash.co, you make a profile, right? You input your skills, make a video pitching yourself, you know, make yourself look good on Crash Profile. And then when you're ready to find a job, you launch. Just like a product on Product Hunt launches to the world, people who are looking for jobs launch on Crash. They're called Crashers. And once they're launched, people can upvote them. And it's a really fun thing. But what this does is it turns the job hunt into an event. And let me tell you, it is so effective. There are tons of people that are launching on Crash that are finding jobs much faster than they would have otherwise at better companies. You can tailor pitches to companies and it's just one of the the coolest platforms I've ever seen. On the flip side, if you're a company and you're a startup and you're hiring um, for a position, what's the most important thing to look for um, in in a position, right, is aptitude. You want someone who's gonna get in there learn and have a learning rate that's that's off the charts so you're looking for high aptitude and everyone launching on crash is so impressive you just go to crash.co browse who's launching it and i'm positive you're gonna find a writer or a designer or a programmer who impresses you so i promise you if you're trying to get a job or if you're trying to hire entry-level talent and beyond the best place on the internet to do that is crash.co thank you again crash for being a sponsor of forward thinking founders now let's get into the show All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. I am so excited today to have on the show Julia Entoven, who is the CEO and co-founder of Kapwing on the show today. Julia, how's it going? Hi, I'm good. How about you, Matt? I'm doing really well. I'm very excited to be talking to you today. It's been a little while since we last talked, you know, a couple of years ago, and you've come such a far away. So I'm stoked to have you on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. No problem. So let's just dive right into it. Kapwing, tell us about what you're working on. What is your company? Yeah, so Kapwing is an online image and video editor. So we help people make multimedia formats in the browser. You know, everything from adding subtitles or making like a quick video collage to making like a travel video or some sort of content marketing for work. Um, Kapwing can help you with any kind of uh, video image or GIF format. Um, And it's totally free to use. That's awesome. Uh, the, the fact that anyone can get on there and start kind of making videos is, is fantastic. This is uh, it's an interesting idea in that it is something that anyone can use. Everyone has something to express. You know, I think some people have, have fussled around with iMovie or Premiere or something like that. Like, I'd love to hear why did you, you know, what, what was the impetus behind starting this company? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, what you um, what you just alluded to was a big part of the motivation for us originally starting Kipwang or where the idea came from, which is just the the pain point of using these like powerful desktop programs um, to make like quick um, edits or changes to a video or to a, like some type of multimedia. Um, that was, uh, we felt a lot of that pain ourselves as consumers. We wanted to make something that was just as good as we wanted it to be. It was just as sort of simple as it quote unquote should be um, for the average person to, to create those things. Um, yeah, so I originally started Kipling, um because um, with, a co or with a coworker of mine from Google, um, I graduated in computer science and had sort of fallen in love with, with tech and product design. Um, but I went to Google after school and was working there on search. Um, Google is an amazing place to work, but it's also a huge company. And um, I had a sort of deep uh, like uh, itch to work on something smaller, something I had more, more ownership over. And so I left with one of my with one of my coworkers to um, to start working sort of on a startup and on our own ideas, and that led us to Kipwing. Um So we started Kipwing in September of 2017, almost uh, actually a little bit more than two years ago now, which is wild. Yeah, that's awesome. So much can happen in, in two years. You know, by the way, congrats on your recent financing. That's, that's super exciting. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you got it. So let's go dive a little bit into the product just so I, just to make sure the listeners understand the power of what you built because really anyone could, anyone can get on there and use it. So um, a, a use case could be, let's say, you know, for this podcast, for example, um, let's say I wanted to use Kapwing and make some, some videos for it and make some, you know, graphics for, for social media. What are some use cases that I could um, kind of do on Kapwing and then publish some video on the internet? Yeah, so our mission is to enable digital storytellers and entertainers. So this podcast is a great example of a use case for that. You know, where I'm telling the story of Kipling now, you know, you have other founders who are telling the story of their companies. Um, and you're recording these stories in audio and video formats to sort of share with, um, you know, share with an audience, with people that um, are really interested in what those people have to say. And um, yeah, some use cases, for example, are you might like clip down certain segments of this um, podcast in order to share it on social media or to send it to uh, friends in the form of like a webinar or something like that. Um, you might uh, create something that has like a visual aspect to it, like uh, maybe the words of what we're saying appear sort of uh, as subtitles um, over like an image um, uh, with the audio of the podcast playing. We call that like an audiogram format. Um, you might publish that kind of audiogram on uh, YouTube or Instagram or another like visual content platform. Um, or you might make, you know, a thumbnail or like a cover for a cover image uh, for this podcast that you publish on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else this uh, podcast would go that sort of represents what this episode is about with a title and a description of, of um, what, who, who, who's on the show, things like that. So um, yeah, for a podcast, which is an MP3 format, um, you know, there's all sorts of different ways you sort of in different kinds of multimedia that you would syndicate that across platforms. And um, it would, you know, it, it's inherently has sort of like a video and audio and a like image or graphic um, aspect. And that's exactly the thesis of Kipwang is um, that you should be able to make all those things in one, one single studio or space. The thing I love about that is if I wanted to accomplish anything you, you just said with that Kipwing, I, I think in my head what the what the alternatives are. Um, and I, I used to be into videos, so I think about Premiere and booting it up and, 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 and spending time in there. Whereas you 
just take something that shouldn't be that complicated uh, and, and make it simple um, to people to create content, to create content with their podcasts or videos. And, and I just think that's, that's fantastic. And there's no wonder, you know, you're doing so well. Um, I, I have a couple more questions for you about Coprene specifically, and then we'll learn a, a little bit more about what the future looks like and, you know, venture into some other topics. So I, I'm very curious um, how did you get the name uh, Kapling? It's so fun to say. I just want to keep saying it. So I'm curious, where did it come from? Yeah, so Kapling came from Calvin and Hobbes. Um, it's a comic strip that we love. And Bill Watterson, who's the original creator of Calvin and Hobbes, we think invented the word. Um, he used it in his comics all the time as kind of the sound of something ricocheting or bouncing off of something else like Kapling. Um, we decided to use the name because um, we love that origin. We love Calvin and Hobbes. And in some ways, it was kind of like an original multimedia format, sort of like, um, you know, had words and pictures and sort of action and movement with, you know, described in the images. Um, and so we loved that, that meaning, or we loved that origin. Um, we also like the meaning, you know, it's something moving fast, changing directions. It has a lot of velocity, um, agility in it. Um, it's fun to say, like you said, um, and um, it also doesn't really have a literal meaning, which makes us really different than the other players in this space, you know, like Windows Movie Maker or like iMovie, you know, it's, it's a very literal description, but Kapwing is something sort of more blue sky, it has more room to grow into all sorts of different aspects of multimedia creation and hosting. Um, and yeah, also very important, which most founders don't talk about, um, Kapwing was available. We were bootstrapping at the time and the domain name kapwing.com was still on the open, you know, was still available basically for $10 a year. And so when you are a bootstrapping founder, you can't afford to buy like a domain that costs millions of dollars or whatever over five years. Um, and so Kapwing uh, also was true to our culture and history in that way. That's, uh, it's kind of interesting what the availability of domains are largely influences what a lot of companies, you know, get named it. That was the case with my, my first company, Publoft, you know, the domain was open, 10 bucks, snag it. Um, in regards to, in regards to Kapwing, another, when I hear it and I think about it, I also feel when, uh, I say the name, it's like, great, I'm making a video, um, I'm publishing it, and Kapwing out into the internet, and it like bounces off the walls of the internet on the Twitter, on the Facebook, on the LinkedIn, it's like Kapwing, 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 and I just, I just can't get it out of my head now, and I hopefully, you know, it'll, it'll be in my head for a while as I become a user and start using it, so that's awesome. So you touched for a second on the fact that in the beginning you were bootstrapping Kapwing, and you, you've wrote a, a good amount on on why you've actually written a a pretty good amount on, on a lot of decisions that you've made with your company um i i myself am a writer too and i admire when other founders kind of document the story and share and i can't help but to i can't help but to but to kind of observe um your original thinking and kind of first principle thinking versus just going with what's popular and being a first time founder I have to ask, where does your confidence for your decision making come from when a lot of the decisions that you make may not be, you know, super intuitive, but they're kind of turning out to be right? So that is, first of all, thank you so much for the kind words. Um, I also appreciate when founders write about their stories because, um, 
you know, once a founder is really successful, a very later stage, you know, it's hard for them to remember what it was like in the early days. So it's always refreshing to read about a founder who's um, just getting started. And the, um, the inspiration for our blog came from other founders before us, um, people like the Canny founders uh, writing articles about um, their growth that I really admire. And so, um, yeah, definitely shout out to them. I think in, uh, in terms of first principles thinking, you know, I definitely don't have, I would say I, I don't have like a huge amount of confidence as a founder. I always felt like there were these entrepreneurs um, that I admired, but I saw as just having, you know, so much conviction, just being so sure of themselves, kind of going against all odds, so, so sure that they were right and they were going to make it. Um, I've always been someone who is super um, open to discussing and debating um, what the right option is. And I've never been satisfied with someone just like telling me this is the way that it's done or this is the right thing. I've always been someone who's really insists on an explanation about why that thing is, um, why that's true. I mean, my friends have joked about me as like a second grader, like asking why certain things were true that, um, you know, I don't know, like why we had to wear these shoes in our school uniforms or whatever else, you know, that, um, that were kind of I saw as being arbitrary rules. So um, I would say that like definitely that's part of my personality. Um, when it comes to things for your company, you know, I think there's a certain kind of intuition you develop around what things are set in stone because uh, people have tried and experimented and done different things and realized that like this is the way to do them uh, versus like which things are uh, things that, you're, that you need to innovate on. And um, honestly, like, I feel that with Kipling, we got lucky in some ways because um, we had experience with product development, but we had no experience with marketing at all. And so all of our experience with marketing came from just absolutely first principles, just like throwing things at the wall, seeing what stuck. And I actually think that was a huge advantage for us because rather than leaning on some pre-existing knowledge or set of experiences around whatever, like email marketing or social ads, we just went out and got traction like any way we knew how. Um, and that was very successful for us. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, taking those first principle uh, kind of thoughts on marketing and just making sure you're making the right decision, not because someone said it was, but because, you know, it actually is the right decision, I think will serve you really well moving forward, um, you know, with Kipling. And, and speaking of which, I do want to talk about what the future looks like with with your company, you know, so you've come a long way. It's been two years, you raised raised a really fair amount of money, just closed your A. Like, what is the what is the direction that you're rowing in? And if you can paint a vision where, you know, a million or a billion people, you know, are using Kapwing, um, what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So um we want Kapwing to be the place where you go if you need to make something that's related to multimedia. So if you need to make design like an image or create a GIF, like an animation or make some sort of like audio or video clip or record a song or do any kind of um, these uh, tasks that we were talking about before, do anything to manipulate um, uh, different multimedia formats, we want you to be able to come to Kipling and do that. Um, and like I said, you know, our vision is around enabling digital storytelling and entertainment. So we want people to be able to, you know, uh, share the things that they learn, the, the things they know, share their stories and their messages with the world in a really accessible, easy way, and not have it be something that, you know, you have to have a really powerful laptop or a film school degree to be able to access and, and know how to use. Um, so my vision for, you know, the future of Kipwing is that 
um, all sorts of creative companies, universities, organizations will license it to enable their people to be creative and that will have sort of a free tier for the general consumer also. Um, I think that um, this kind of fits into, you know, a lot of my thinking about the future, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon. But um, I think that uh, this, these kinds of multimedia formats like video, audio, they're becoming more and more important in all sorts of different domains. And we want Kipling to be the like fully cloud-based cross-device, you can use it anywhere, um, uh, platform that where you can create, share, and store your um, multimedia creations. All right, that's an awesome vision for the future. Um, and, uh, you know, I see it happening with a tool that is, you know, it's fun to use. I know I've tooled around with it in the last couple of weeks, um, and your brand is just fantastic. So I feel like you're all set up to, to get on that rocket ship. Um, you already, already are on the rocket ship, so that's awesome. So you mentioned, you know, lightly some of the things that you're interested in regards to the future. Um, I'd love to kind of back a little bit away from Kapwing and just talk in general um, about the future and what interests you. Um, so I'd love to know what trends, whether they be in media or something entirely unrelated, um, interest you and, and why do they interest you? Yeah, so um, I would say there's a few trends that interest me when I like think about uh, productivity and um, how sort of the, what the future of work will look like. Um, the first is that we've seen this happening over the last five years, and I really believe it will continue over the next 10 years, which is um, this, this expectation from uh, workers that um, their software will, first of all, be something that's really delightful and simple, easy to use, something that almost feels like a consumer product, um, it's having just like a really high bar for the sort of products they use at work. Um, and the second uh, is that they that consumers or that uh, office workers now have this expectation that their software will, will work on every device. It'll work on both their computer and on their phone, since both the computer and the phone have been, and I really believe will continue to be important instruments of productivity going forward, especially for something like video and images. Um, and uh, that like expectation of moving towards sort of like. Uh, cloud-based cross-device um, products. I think you can see it with like uh, Google Docs, you know, people moving from Microsoft Word to Google Docs or to, you know, um, other cloud-based, you know, Microsoft cloud-based products. Um, you see it in the ways people are changing from using um, something like Photoshop to using Canva and sort of online editors. Um, we see it with uh, Figma and people moving from like Sketch or, or Adobe Illustrator into something cloud-based and collaborative like Figma or Envision um, and in all sorts of other verticals where, where um, software that you used to install onto your computer is now sort of moving um, into the web and works on every device. So I think that Kipling is, uh, yeah, it's very much on that in the same vein as, as that trend. Um, another one I think is that, um, you know, there are all sorts of tasks that are being automated away um, by things that used to be jobs, you know, 20 years ago that are no longer jobs. And I think that that will continue. You know, I think that people will, um, the jobs that people are doing today will be, uh, many of them will be replaced by, um, you know, by machines basically uh, going forward and, art and artificial intelligence software. Um, and I think that those people will move into different careers. They'll move into careers that are related to storytelling, entertainment, um, uh, media, and um, recreation, travel, leisure, all these other things that um, 
uh, Kapwing definitely like has a relationship with in some ways. So um, I think those are two big trends that are happening. Um, and uh, I think those will like those are eminent, you know, in the next 10 years, I think we will see those industries rising. And I also think we'll see, you know, more and more software moving into the cloud becoming collaborative. Those are both very insightful, you know, predictions and thoughts on the future. I want to dive into your first one for a second. Um, that's something I notice a lot too. I, I, I take from from what you said, you know, changing from complicated software to kind of potentially easier to use software on the cloud. It's, it's lowering the barrier for people to get in there and start designing you know, on Canva or making making awesome visuals, graphics, or videos, you know, like on Kapwing. And it kind of makes me think of what's happening with, you know, this quote-unquote maker movement, you know, with no code coming into the fold and the people will be being able to build apps without learning to code. Do you think that there's going to be a convergence of the second, or the first and the second trend that you mentioned, like where the, all the, the, the ability to create is so, is so much easier than it was two, two decades ago, then the professions that, you know, people displaced by jobs will just turn into like people starting companies because it's a lot easier than it used to be. Do you see anything happening in that regard? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there's lots of different things you're kind of hinting at there. Um, one thing that you're hinting at is just like, are more people going to be entrepreneurs and sort of start their own things or sort of move between um, different roles? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. I mean, uh, big companies, um, you know, as they like automate more and more jobs, there's going to be these, like I said, you know, more jobs which are oriented towards service, leisure, art and entertainment, storytelling, things like that, where um, it's more, it's less of like a corporate profession and more of an entrepreneurial endeavor. And so I think that um, people will definitely uh, continue to move into sort of more um, entrepreneurial um, careers as that trend continues to move forward. Um, the second thing that you were hinting at there is sort of, is there this convergence of like cloud-based productivity software that makes work a lot easier and, um, you know, being able to start your own thing or your own company. I think that absolutely that's true in a lot of different ways. Um, one way is that um, we, there's, there's, it's so much easier for an individual to tell their story online. Um, if they can craft a story and craft a brand across all of their channels and across all of sort of like on the internet, then um, it's much easier for them to reach the audience that needs them. And so I think that's, uh, I don't think it's so much about like being able to code or like make technology as it is about um, being able to express your personality and uh, your product or service and your brand um, that's so important for people to create presence online. Yeah, that, that's, that's very insightful. And I agree with all of that. It's it's an interesting time to be in tech. Um, I feel like we so much has happened in the last two decades, but the next two decades uh, there's going to be ton, be tons more progress. Um, so so that's um, that's going to be an interesting ride. So I have a a couple more questions for you in regards to your um, kind of your mindset just towards entrepreneurship and, and run, running a company. I do want to, I want to dive a little deeper into the fact that you, you are a, I believe you're a first time founder because you, 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 you were working at Google and then, you know, you started Kapwing and uh, you're, uh, you know, and so was your, so was your co-founder, but you're, you're doing everything. You're kind of doing everything right and not just doing, not just doing everything right. Um, this is external, of course, internally 
everything, everything's probably broken, um, uh, just like any startup. But from my perspective, you're not just you're not just doing kind of the right things, but you're you're talking about them in such an authority in coming from a place of such authority. Um, what advice would you have for other first time founders? who are maybe, you know, maybe feel like they have imposter syndrome, whereas you, you know, it's your first time, but you're just blazing the trail and doing what you think is right and, you know, making making um, making a great company. What advice would you have for them? Wow, I still feel like I have so much imposter syndrome myself, um, so I'm uh, honored to hear you say that. But um, a few things I would say. So one is, um, you know, for first-time founders, like the best way to learn is to do. And this is one of the, like we have it on the wall at Kipwing. Um, it's one of our principles. But I think that to me, that means really two different things. Like the first is don't wait until your thing or your idea is perfect before you start trying to do it or before you start trying to get traction. Um, you know, if, if you could put it out there today, it would be like pretty imperfect or you could put it out there in two months and it would be like much better. Put it out today because you're going to learn so much more by just putting things out there in the world than you will if you keep them to yourself. Um, the second thing is, you know, I would say um, we always, I always have embraced the likelihood of failure. Um, and sometimes people think that's like an irrational thing to say, but, you know, most startups fail. Most ideas are not good. And to me, that's not too scary because, you know, if, if you if you like start out with sort of low expectations of what's going to happen, then every step you take is just one more step towards, towards success or towards your dreams. And um, I think that's uh, when I uh, talk to other entrepreneurs um, who are at an earlier stage than me, those are like two, the two biggest mistakes that I see. The first just being that people um, are trying to get it perfect before they try to get traction. And the second is that people, um, you know, they're too wrapped up in their own solution. They have too much conviction and too much confidence. And they're just like, I'm going to make the future look like this. And I know what it's going to be. Um, for us, like I always was like, you know, I have an opinion about it, but I'm going to go like test out what that is. And there were many times when we failed. I don't know if you know this, Matt, but we, my co-founder, I worked on a different idea for two and a half months before we worked on Kipwain. And um, it wasn't working, so we shut it down. And it was a great idea. I still believe one day it will exist, but uh, we couldn't get any traction for it. And I was very grateful that um, we were able to shut it down so quickly, even though it was hard at the time. You know, it was definitely the right decision for us. And if we hadn't shut it down, we never would have gotten to Kipling. So I definitely encourage um, founders to have humility around their own, um, you know, their own ideas and really trust the ideas that are working in the market. Yeah, that is, that's great advice. And, uh, you know, advice I take, I'll take myself, you know, you're, um, you're doing, you're doing great things and it's cool to watch, you know, um, watch it happen. I have a couple more, I have a couple more questions for you and then we'll wrap it up. So I'd love to hear, um, one of the biggest things that you maybe have learned on your, on your journey so far, um, you know, you, you're, you've, you've gotten it to the point where you obviously have a good amount of traction and you know, you're attracting these series A investors. Um, what, what's one of the things that you have maybe learned over the past two years that isn't super obvious? Um, you know, something that you didn't think you would learn going into it, but now it might be, now it's obvious uh, on the other side. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, Gosh, I've learned just so much um, that it's hard for me to synthesize into just like one or like one or two very specific learnings. Um, I would say one thing is just um, one thing I've realized is that so much of the literature is written by investors. 
um, so much of the literature is actually written by people that have never done it themselves. And, um, you know, maybe that sounds counterintuitive to you. You're like, oh, but this investor, you know, they've invested in all these companies. They know so much about how to grow successful companies. But investing in successful companies is not the same as growing a successful company. And I think that, um, you know, that distinction has, I've realized has become like, it's basically become a very important learning for me um, because I've become to kind of like distrust a lot of sort of like the literature and the quote unquote like gurus around entrepreneurship. Um, many of those gurus either have never been an operator or were only an operator like 20 years ago when they started their company um, rather than operators, you know, in this environment in 2019. And so I would say that's a very first learning is just like, yeah, most of the literature is about is from the investor's perspective, not from the entrepreneur's perspective. Um, and the best entrepreneurs form really close peer relationships with other entrepreneurs that are at their level, um, not um, invest, you know, not investors, basically. <laughs> um, I would say the second thing that I've learned about is um, sort of the difference between hype and business value. Um, that basically, being able to position your product and tell a story in a way that makes you seem like an attractive company and an attractive entrepreneur is not the same thing as um, adding business value. Um, this is something that I used to like scoff at because I used to be like, oh, I'm never gonna be the kind of entrepreneur that like wants hype around my company. I'm always just gonna care about like actually making things that people need and like actually building revenue and stuff like that. Um, but what I've realized is that those two actually, um, you know, that basically they're both very important and, um, to be the CEO of a successful company that actually has a huge amount of revenue and is, or has a really impactful product, um, you need to also have like legitimacy and kind of some hype to attract employees, to attract investors, to attract partners, um, and all those other things. And so, you shouldn't go too heavily on one or the other, but I do think like the best entrepreneurs think about both and balance both. That's a very interesting dichotomy. And um, uh, yeah, I've never heard that before, but it definitely uh, makes a lot of sense. So, so that's fantastic. So, you know, you mentioned in there that you have, uh, um, it's important that you have close peers that are founders, not necessarily investors, um, that you kind of keep close while building a company. Um, I'd be uh, curious to, to know um, who are either some peers or role models that you that you look up to that have kind of helped you um, along the way, you know, from even before Kapoing now to, to where you are today. Well, I'm so glad you asked this question because I just have benefited so much from these people's help. Um, so Dylan Field, who's the CEO of Figma, has been a huge role model and friend to me and to my co-founder. Um, he and Eric, my co-founder, actually went to middle school together, amazingly. So I have just learned so much from Dylan about how to raise money, how to hire people, so many other things. Um, uh, Dylan's a later stage founder than me, so um, I would say he's like less of a peer and more of like an advisor role model. But since he's our age, um, you know that makes him like it, it's easier to talk to him. It's, he's super relatable. Um, Garrett Lord, who's the CEO of Handshake, has also been a big role model and mentor of mine. Um, I actually interviewed at Handshake before I started Kuwing back when I was trying to decide if I wanted to go somewhere else after Google or try to do my own thing. And um, I felt, I mean, now I like feel bad about it because I know how hard hiring is, but um, I basically turned down Garrett's offer and he has so graciously and just like in an inspiring way been a role model and a mentor for mine as we grew. 
as I grew my own business. Um, on the sort of like more my peers, um, Dion Nicholas, who's the CEO of Forethought, has been like a great um, friend and is sort of just like a one step ahead of me, which is the best kind of friend because he's always just like dealing with the same challenges, but just one month ahead of us. Um, and wow, so many other founders and the founders of Down Dog um, have been good friends and have referred several people to our company. Um, many others who, um, I, the list is just too long to even mention here, but um, uh, people that I've met mostly organically and um, socially like in San Francisco who have just been um, so supportive and also just like helped a lot with sort of the founder loneliness because they understand what it's like to care so much about your company. What a great answer. I'm sure they all, they all appreciate it. And everyone that you know that you're thinking, you know, that, that you, that you may not have mentioned. I just, I think, I think it's important that everyone plays a role in someone's journey. And it's um, like, if I had a conversation with someone three years ago and they go off to do something, it's always good to know that I, you know, I like a small part of, of, you know, what I said, you know, help them out. And it's kind of, you're the, uh, um, you're the, what's the, what's the quote? You're the product of the five people you spend the most time around. So make sure they're, they're, uh, they're smart people that are helping you out that are gracious. So that's fantastic. Well, I have one last question for you. Um, I, I already asked not on purpose, the typical last question that I asked, which is what advice would you have for someone trying to, to, to get into starting a company? So I have a different last question for you. Uh, so, um, and it's more of a, of a comedy question. So I saw on Twitter a couple of days ago, you know, after you closed your round, you were sharing awesome company swag that, uh, that VCs, you know, have been giving you. My question to you is what would be, what is on your wish list for the coolest um, piece of swag that you, you could ever imagine getting? Yes, what an amazing question. Um, so actually swag um, is kind of hard to make, actually custom swag. Um, I'm trying to like investigate how we should make custom swag right now for Kipling. Um, but um, among like some custom swag that's on my wish list is a director's chair, which is one of those kind of like higher chairs like they have in Hollywood, but like Kipling style. Um, and like a, a what, what they call clapper boards, which are like the things that they go like, you know, take one, like clap, take one. Um, but like purple and Kipling colors. Um, so yeah, having like a director's chair and a clapperboard would be awesome. Um, but we also are like constantly thinking about how can we put like the Kipling kitten on different things um, that help people make uh, videos and stuff like that, like selfie sticks or GoPro accessories or tripods, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, we are uh, definitely trying to make our own swag and we super appreciate the swag that uh, Village Global and um, CRV sent to us after the, ser after the Series A financing. You know, if anyone's listening and you have the hookups to a director's chair or a clapper that you can customize, you know, you know who to talk to. Exactly. <laughs> uh, my last question for you is you're, what you're working on is fantastic. You've had awesome success. You still have a long, long way to go, which is exciting. If someone wants to follow along um, with your journey, where can they learn about Kapwing and where can they learn more about you? Yeah, so um, like you already mentioned, we have a blog about the journey of growing a company. You can check it out at kipling.com slash blog. Um, and also we are super actively hiring. So if you live in San Francisco, you can also come to our jobs page, kipling.com slash jobs and check out our open roles. Um, and uh, we are everywhere on social media. So follow us on um, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we, I myself answer all of our tweets, all of the messages that we get in um, on social media. So we're super accessible. Please reach out. We love hearing from people that use the product or other entrepreneurs that are trying to grow their own thing. 
All right. You all heard it here first. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it, Matt.